and welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. I'm Ryan Houlihan, and with us we have editor at British GQ. Ben Allen, hi. Hi, Ben. Hello, and host of The Power of X-Men, a great X-Men podcast. Dayspring! Hi. Hello. Hi. Oh, gosh, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Uh, Ryan, so this is, we were talking about it. It's maybe your official first time co-hosting. Neither of us can really remember. Um, (laughs) It might be. Ryan will be co-hosting moving forward. Um, I I texted him and I was like, hey, I know you're going to co-host Angel episodes. You want to co-host a Buffy episode first? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let me get my feet wet before I I move to LA and everything. (laughs) um yeah we're here for the 25th anniversary of the buffy season one episode angel which i felt like anytime i was sending it out i was like oh i don't want people to be confused like angel it's not because it's called anyway yes it's uh, a very pivotal episode um re-watching it today i was like oh shit this really does lay a lot of the groundwork for like the story especially angel story moving forward um i didn't realize how much they reveal about it like, I kind of thought it was like, oh, we know him and Darla have a past, but we don't know what it is. Darla's but, like, today, 100 years ago, here's exactly where we yeah. were, and here's what I said, and here's what you wore. Like, there's a lot that it they is. give us. <laughs> um, but it is uh, both guests' first time on the podcast. Ben, do you want to start us off with your Buffy origin story? I'd love to, yeah. Um, so, I'm trying to pin this down exactly, but I remember pretty distinctly um, a friend of mine when I was, I must have been about 12 years old. Uh, and it was, the show was in its like fifth season, I think. And The Gift, that's the finale of uh, season five, isn't it? Is it called The Gift? Is yeah. That right? yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So The Gift had aired. And I remember hearing someone talking about it, how it was so emotional and how Buffy had died. And I was just so intrigued by the idea of a main character dying in a show that wasn't. Um, ending you know mm-hmm. and I think I just like binged it uh that summer became completely obsessed and was like buying the magazines like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer magazine that they sold <laughs> over in the UK and Ireland I don't know if you guys had anything in the states but there was we did yeah <laughs> you had the, I, I wonder if it's the same one yeah uh so I was buying that waiting ready to see how they managed to bring Buffy back to life and uh, just became completely enamored and obsessed buy it uh, and just got all the dvds all the box sets like spent uh, a good portion of my teenage years just holed up in my bedroom watching buffy like just completely obsessed over and over again um and yeah i feel like it's had such a massive influence on my tastes and my kind of uh, yeah just how i consume culture going forward uh, you know yeah. after that it's had a massive impact you know, I feel like a lot of us that love Buffy, it really did affect how we like consume like pop culture in general, right? Like, I'm so spoiled. I want everything to be in the vein of Buffy when I'm watching it. Like, I want it to be able to make me laugh and in the same scene, then make me like cry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's that mixture, isn't it? That power that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, like when a show is like a little too serious, sometimes I'm like, oh, give me a joke, like. um and dayspring would you like to give us your buffy origin story yeah i started watching it in 1997 (laughs) like right (laughs) when it was airing in march i think i came my dad was watching the series first and i was obsessed with the movie with christy swanson and luke (laughs) perry i loved it i know it didn't age well (laughs) or it wasn't even well received at the time 
But my dad was watching Buffy, and I think it was probably Never Kill a Boy on the first date. Ooh, okay. I want to say that was probably my first one with Owen, because I remember thinking, like, Owen was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just so, like, taken with it. And I remember the promos leading up to Buffy when it was on the WB, like Tales of the Slayer. You know, they kind of recounted all the different origins. So even before I had actually officially started watching it, I was aware of it. And I think this was the first episode that I saw like live in like my living room was, you know, the Angel episode, because I remember when Angel turns around and is revealed to be a vampire, like my entire family like gasped, <laughs> you know, like it was so great. Um, but from there, I, I was just really obsessed with Buffy. I had a Buffy planner, like the ones they used to sell at like Spencer's or Barnes & Noble. <laughs> I collected the action figures. I had a job at Pacific Sunwear. And right across from there was a comic book shop and they had a statue of Buffy with like the purple top. And it was like $150, something like that. And I like, spent like a month's worth of salary. Just <laughs> oh my to, like, God. Buy it. I know. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, I think about Buffy like 50% of my day, even now as an adult. So <laughs> I, I quote it religiously. I'm obsessed. I loved Angel so much. So I'm looking forward to hearing you guys, uh, your coverage of Angel. You know, I love that you have an X-Men podcast, but you also are obsessed with Buffy because I do feel like the two make sense together, right? Oh, they totally do. There's so many overlapping elements, especially when you think of world building yeah. that the X-Men and Buffy share. And Dawn is one of those, you know, in rewriting history, inserting yeah. memories, um, even with Sailor Moon. I'm a huge Sailor yeah, Moon fan yeah, as well. Yeah. And I at one point I could do uh like similarities between Buffy and Sailor Moon, but my fandom has weaned a little bit since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did a whole Patreon app. I hands up, I have not watched Sailor Moon, but we did a Patreon episode with two my best friend Kim and um Paul Weinberger and Paul Weinberg, and they both are like huge Sailor Moon stands. And basically it was just the episode was them telling me all the sim and it was like an hour long of them just like telling me all the similarities between Sailor Moon and uh, Buffy. Oh, I can't um, wait to get behind that wall and listen to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we are here to talk about Angel, um, the Buffy episode, Angel. Um, yeah, in revisiting it, Dayspring, what did you feel like when you finished it? How did you feel about the episode? I really liked it. it yeah. the, the first, I haven't seen this episode in a minute. So, I felt like it just aged so well. There were certain parts, so I kind of like was kind of laughed at, like the fumigation party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and like, why didn't the WB censor like a roach being on screen? I thought that was so gross when I saw that. <laughs> but it was just a really good episode in general. I think Darla in a schoolgirl outfit with blunt bangs and like two pistols is a fucking mood right there. <laughs> Similar. And I believe the same. I believe the same. <laughs> right, like it, it reminds me of like Fairchild from like Gen thirteen, just like this beautiful hyper stylized comic book character that can only exist in like J. Scott Campbell's imagination <laughs> or Wildstorm comic. But I just loved it, and I understand why the series did as well as it did, and why it has its longevity. And I think this episode's a good cultural sample of how good the show is. Yeah, uh, Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I just think it's such a. I think it's probably. The best episode of season one, maybe, maybe the finale is is arguably better, but it's just it's it's so perfectly made. I think like the the angel reveal, um, 
as you said, like Darla coming out with the guns. I thought that was quite nuts, to be honest. <laughs> like, I'd forgotten there was ever guns in Buffy. It just yeah. didn't feel like a thing that, that should go in, in this show at all. And I love they're also like magic guns that don't need to be reloaded and the bullets are <laughs> I just was thinking that too. Well. <laughs> I love that other monsters later report, reported when someone was like, why don't we just get guns? They're like, well, we tried that once when she was a <laughs> sophomore and it didn't work. <laughs> so funny. And then I, I just love also the ending, the, um, the kind of Crossburn, like such a great, great note to end on. Angels, um, you know, Buffy's yeah. cross burning into his chest. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I'm not a massive season one fan, if I'm being totally honest. Uh, I think I don't know what it is. It it feels like a little bit more dated than the rest of it. You know, it feels yes. a little bit like maybe they didn't have the budget as well, so it was a bit harder to to get the visuals right. But um, but no, I, I'm a big Angel fan as well. I love the the show Angel. So um, it feels like a perfect kind of almost not set up for that show specifically, but just, as you say, a great proper introduction to him and the lore of Angel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, Ryan, what do you think? I love Angel. I think it's a great episode. And I, yeah, I agree with everything everyone said. I would also point out that it's one of those episodes that starts to establish Joyce as being not uh, when she's unaware of things that it is a choice that she's making she's probably like I don't know some girl that she's friends with someone should maybe check on her Mr. Giles and I just met like she's fully choosing and I love it because as a child as a queer child to two uh, parents with that ability it's fun to see their, them represented on screen <laughs> okay but you know she's seen Giles when she's in the hospital bed and she's like whap right there <laughs> like, she was like I'm gonna climb that before we move out of this one horse <laughs> and good for her and i mean listen her. they're they are gorgeous humans please have at it go like, for it you know i i was thinking about joyce in this particular episode as well and i have a similar note ryan which is she's obviously suffering from that sunnydale syndrome where it's like haha everything's fine but <laughs> i don't know like i think it's apparent later on but here i was like does she really like did is a fast one being pulled on her? I mean, is she really lying to herself or is she genuinely confused? Because she asks. She's here like, we don't even have a barbecue knife or, or pitchfork, whatever. <laughs> so so she, it's not like she's being like, oh, oh, yes, I hit myself. I have no idea how that happened. But like, she is questioning it. So good for Joyce. <laughs> good for Joyce. Good for her. Um, I also, like Ben, I, I've been, I've been revisiting season one actually for like, uh, on TikTok, I'm doing like TikTok, like little quick recaps of each episode. So I've been doing like faster rewatches where I like screen record for content and fast forwarding to the good parts and then do the little TikTok reviews. And I gotta say, I often think of season one as like, eh, that's like the season I don't revisit. But revisiting it, I've been like, oh, why don't I revisit it as much? And I think it's mostly because I have this weird thing with like when a TV show like looks if it looks too dated, I have trouble watching it now, um, which I don't know why, but it just, if it looks too dated and it's weird that season one looks so dated, but season two immediately looks way less dated. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure if it's like they got better lighting. They got, I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it feels like season two doesn't look nearly as dated as season one, even though they were in the same, like, you know, they both aired in 97. They aired like literally in the same year. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I don't revisit as much. But it really is like the characters are all there. I mean, I'm right. I feel like you'd agree with that, right? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely a case of of budgetary changes, yeah. but also it's a it's a case of like they had a certain amount of trust in the characters' interactions in the second season that in the mm-hmm. first season, I think there was a lot more like, uh, and then it'll be noir-y and we'll have some music <laughs> come in so the audience doesn't get bored. <laughs> and, um, they needed to trust that we liked the people that we were tuning in to see. And I'm glad that they later did. But like, I also think that they they had to feel out the tone. I think the guns yeah. are a perfect example of that, of like, <laughs> are we going to be a place with guns? Would it just be handguns? No, this feels weird. Let's not do this again. <laughs> you know? I mean, again, that is an iconic... I forgot about that, and, like, I literally gasped when I saw her pull out those guns. And I thought it was kind of funny, and within the context of Darla in this episode, it kind of makes sense that she would play dirty like that. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. It's funny as well, though, thinking about the... Sorry, Ian. um, No, go ahead. Thinking about the use of guns, like, later in season six, it becomes such a serious thing, you know, like, where, where it's like, oh, this is actually... You can kill some of these, whereas in um in this season it feels kind of silly like it doesn't feel like the stakes aren't really there and i think what's really powerful about um like tara getting shot later on is it's like oh shit this is real like real death almost in the same way as joyce's death is a real death in season five it's like this is another level it's a different thing that we're not used to and i think that's because they haven't had guns throughout as well in a way you know yeah, and it's a it's a natural death. Like when Joyce dies of a brain tumor and Tara gets shot, like it's a very tangible, non supernatural death. That's a really great observation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it, and I feel like they also learned that if they were to use a weapon, they would use it sparingly. So, like you know, when Buffy, we do get to Buffy with the bazooka. It is a reveal, and it is a moment, <laughs> yeah. right? Iconic. Like, <laughs> oh my god like I, I i i just think of that right yeah like in the middle of the fucking mall i think of that moment so much and i love it um but i feel like the show maybe wouldn't have worked as well if we were always bringing out these like weapons right yeah um but okay so i, well, I actually was going to talk about darla more but we'll get there um the <laughs> other thing this i mean you were saying ryan they try to find the tone right and they definitely try to lean more into like uh, like old horror tropes and almost like high fantasy things. Like when they're like, you know, we open with the master, he's like upset about Buffy killing one of his beloved vampires to Darla and the anointed one. And she wants to kill Buffy, but he says she has a personal interest. So he's going to send quote unquote, the three. And there's a lot <laughs> of that in this, like, even thinking about it, like the master is such a stupid fucking name. <laughs> but like, I, they need um, they need a what's his face from the social network to be like, drop the the, just yeah. master, it's yeah. cleaner. I also, I also love that the three are like, there's the only three. These are like such iconic people that they can be donated, uh, you know, marked out as the three, and right. then they just get wasted so quickly. You know, like they get put down by Dark. Like 15 minutes into the episode. That's how ineffective they are, despite well, having this. I name like to for think themselves. of them as very effective marketers that were turned into <laughs> vampires. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. The, the, the thing I thought about the three, it's like if we fail, we're gonna offer our lives. Like, fine, they couldn't get Buffy because she went into the house. Why didn't they burn her fucking house down? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, here's the thing, like. I get it from a plot standpoint, like moving on. But like, if these people are going to give their lives, like I would like exhaust 
every resource or plan available. <laughs> and they're not just their lives. They're their eternal lives. Like, yeah, their <laughs> eternal lives. And like, why not grab Joyce before she gets yes. into the house? Hold yeah. her hostage. Like, you guys are terrible at your job. You <laughs> deserve to just die. any kind of plan where you're like, hi, I'm the plumber you called. Oh, you don't remember? It must have been your appraiser who called me. I need to come in and fix your pipe. Like, you could come up with any stupid plan to get her to invite you in and, and be in close proximity, quietly hiding in Buffy's bedroom. Like, you oh my god! Uh, but what gets me is that ultimately, uh, I. I uh, Ultimately, Buffy finds out that they're three vampires, right? And Giles is like, well, they'll be offering their lives. And it's like, what, just these vampires keep their word? Because we've never seen a vampire <laughs> yeah. in the future who's just like, here's my life. The, the guy will be like, I'm going to get a cab and leave town. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or like they would try to kill the master in return or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, I... This season does a lot of that, where it's like, ooh, this villain is, like, very mysterious, and it's, like, kind of nothing. And it it feels, again, I mean, I love the show, but that plot, that those points of the plot feel very me trying to write a comic book in seventh grade, um, where it's like... Well, because they're trying to build up the master's mystique, not the villain of the week. But by doing that, they make the villain of the week just look silly, which makes the master look silly. But I don't think they understood that yet. Yeah. Yeah. not to be a contrarian, I do like that, though, because I think one of the things they were trying to do was flip certain tropes right. at the time. I mm. mean, Buffy being, like, completely emblematic of that, yeah. like, giving the blonde girl the night back and being the hero. So, like, maybe these, like, villains and, you know, that we encounter in season one, they're trying to flip that trope. And I kind of, like, it didn't bother me. I honestly would have been more upset if I had to watch an entire episode of Buffy taking out the three one by one. I think the way it played out <laughs> oh, from yeah. a plotting perspective was so great yeah it's like a fake out isn't it it's like oh here's what you think the episode's gonna be and it's not that at all and then obviously it becomes way more about angel as intended but yeah i kind of like that as well i have to say but and even when they talk about the three we get our first fake out with them because they show three bikers and then it cuts to so (laughs) and there's a lot of that misdirect in this episode and also a lot of like hints that I thought were really smart, especially with, with angel and Buffy being able to sense, you know, the three, but she senses angel first. Like that's their first way of like kind of hinting at us that, that angel's a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so yeah, we, we, we get the, that reveal of them walking down and they're like scaring off these like biker skinhead punk, I don't know, et cetera, people. Um, the cockroach party does gross me out of the bronze. I, I thought that was so gross. Yeah. I was like, why are they showing a roach here on network television? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, Bleh. because I, as so, as a former uh, person of living in New York experience, I once woke up with a cockroach on my face because it had come out of my uh, air conditioner oh, vent. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I had a friend living on my couch at the time and I literally traded with him for the week. I was like, I don't want to sleep in my room. You can sleep in my room if you want. I want to sleep on the couch. And he was like, okay. <laughs> that's disgusting. Um, but yeah, so that's all I think of when I see that. Uh, we get like Xander. He has... He has a nice encounter with Cordelia where she just kind of like reads him to death. Um, I'm obsessed with that scene. <laughs> I want to so know good. what boutique in Sunnydale Cordelia is shopping at that she can get $200 pairs of shoes and and the Todd Holland dress as well. <laughs> like, Todd Oldham is Oldham, what it is. Sorry, Oldham. Like, is she going, like, what did they say in like episode one that like, 
like Sunnydale's two hours on the freeway from yeah. Neiman's. Like, is Cordelia going every Saturday morning to Neiman's just to <laughs> shop and like taking no, the Cordettes she there? Has, she has catalogs and she places a call <laughs> where they do the shopping and she just picks it up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's that probably actually would be accurate. Right? Oh my god, you're right. Instead of driving and like, what kind of car does she drive? Like a '95 Chrysler. Like instead of putting the Cordettes in there, like she's just like on. A catalog like dialing a one eight hundred number with her dad's credit card. <laughs> and God. you said that that khaki was made from a hundred percent cotton. All right, let's do it. <laughs> like God, you know she's a cotton bitch. Like she is betting that. So we get we Xander comes over to the table and he calls Cordelia a vile brush a, a vile breath of fresh air. Buffy and Willow are kind of like meh. Buffy leaves. We they encounter the three. Um, well, she encounters a three angel saves her. I it's, it's funny in this season, like watching stuff like this, right? Because like, also I just finished, we just finished our Buffy coverage and I'm like, man, even like season two, Buffy would have had no issue defeating the three like solo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the I, running I, away, seeing them yeah. flee from the three of them is tough, isn't it? It's like, no, this isn't how this normally works. Like, yeah, especially but, two of them, you know? But I, I was wondering what you guys think, because I do think like we are built up to like Buffy getting more confident. Like, we start the show, she's already like a vaguely competent and confident slayer. But like, as it goes along, she gets more and more confident and like, more in tune with her powers. So I almost buy that season one Buffy would be like running away from these guys. I don't know what you all thought. Yeah. yeah. And Angel then is kind of pretending to still be a normal guy, isn't he? Right. So he's uh so he's not doing a super parrot thing yet. Right. Neither of those them are used to teaming up with someone else, but they're also not used to like um performing their superpower stuff in front of another person, let alone right. teaming up. And I think for Buffy in particular, like this hot guy that she likes is there with her and he knows that like mysterious supernatural things are going on. And that's a big distraction when all of a sudden someone's punching or attacking you, you know? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Feelings get all intermingled when you're 16. I And, and fighting evil demons. Yeah. <laughs> I think she, it's funny, the way I saw the scene was that, like, Buffy could have easily taken them, uh, Angel was there, and I think, like, they wanted an excuse to, like, run away and have, like, alone time together. <laughs> I mean, certainly from a writing perspective, I understand why Buffy couldn't take on the three with Angel, because you have to get them in the house to start creating that sexual tension. <laughs> but, like, I love the second they get into the house, Buffy's like, okay, I'm fine, like, yeah. <laughs> take off your shirt, everything, <laughs> and it's, let me tell you something. It is fucking hot. Like David Boreanaz and like Sarah Michelle Gellar, their chemistry, like, damn, like I believe it. You know, I okay, that's a thing that I always think about when I'm like, and I'm so not interested in the Buffy versus or the Spike versus Angel discussions, but I always think like, oh, well, we got to see Spike and her relationship develop more organically. But then when I go back to episode like this, I'm like, okay, the chemistry is there. Like Right, like I agree with you, Dayspring. Like it is there when he, them just like looking at each other. Like you feel it, right? And yeah. and Twink, Twink Angel is a look. He is hot. <laughs> My God, and he's a lot less. It's weird. It's almost like he's less stiff in this first season 
than he is yeah, later on. he's a cool on. guy who gets tattoos in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> From there on out, they really lean on the, like, Irish curmudgeon element of Angel <laughs> and less on the, like, teen boy in Southern California. <laughs> I'm sad we didn't get his uh, Irish accent in this episode because it's absolutely hilarious to me, honestly. <laughs> it's the worst I've ever heard. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't think a mouthful of Lucky Charms is a great <laughs> sound to the ears? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big, big pint of Guinness in there in the mouth for sure. <laughs> I I really don't know why they just didn't like. I feel like not that I think it would have been much better, but I feel like just maybe like make it British and make it very light, and he that would have been a little bit more in his range. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, he could pull that off. I think I believe. Right? I believe in David. He could pull that off. Or he was he went through some horrible psychological experience where he lost his accent and he can never do it again. <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't have been so bad. And in the flashbacks, he's just a guy who doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he takes off his shirt. He looks good. They're both adorable. The chemistry is there. But I, I Dayspring, I think you or Ben mentioned it earlier. I kept thinking, wait a minute. But, like, the monsters are still outside. What if Joyce comes home? Like, are well, we worried? And I was thinking, too, like, Buffy is, is like, let me get my pajamas. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's not even for a brief moment in time create a scenario where your mom walks in on this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Buffy's, Buffy's understandably horny and has one thing on her mind. And I, you know what? I get it. Buffy is so horny here, and I like I'm here for it too. But like when they they came running in, they slammed the door. I forgot Joyce was out, and I was like, didn't Joyce hear all of this? And obviously, like she was out. But I could I, I was thinking because in the notes you sent us before, you're like, where would Don be in in, in this fake memory? I'm like Don would be right there at the stairs playing on her Game Boy, like festering all about her abandonment issues because Joyce is running late at the museum or gala where she works. Buffy's out doing God knows what, and then like. Just come barging in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don! Don totally would have been like the buzzkill with the chemistry, been like right in between the two of them. Like, why is your shirt off? <laughs> 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 Which would have been me as a child too. Been like, why is this hot man have his shirt off? <laughs> See, in my mind, the, the, the monks could just do whatever. So wh all of Dawn's childhood is a series of misadventures keeping her from being, like, able to perceive all the stuff going on with Buffy. So it's like, <laughs> Dawn picked up a stick. That stick happened to be a stick that a wizard dropped. Now she has the power to make as many cookies and candy as she wants. So Dawn spent the episode learning that she just can't eat only cookies and candy. And she breaks the magic wand over her, over her name. She throws it next to her. And you know who it hits? It hits what's-her-face. Um, the with the with the African mask who becomes Joyce's friend. Oh, oh my God! Yes, oh, yeah. and that's how they meet. And the monks have you know closed up that plot hole, and they're <laughs> on to the next one. And they just become a series of like Don, little Donnie's little adventures, or whatever. It's like little morality oh, lessons happening around. I, I like the idea of the monks being like a bunch of gays like us who just like are like, oh my God, I stand Buffy so hard. Look at her outfit, and they're like they know all of her life, so they're like writing Don in to like do the <laughs> little fan fiction <laughs> moments. Have you have you guys read the Dark Horse series? What was it called? False Memories, where it inserted Dawn into like Buffy continuity. No. And I didn't even a, know that was a thing. Yeah, it was a Dark Horse comics before like the season eight ones, right. like the OG Dark Horse comics. And one of them is Buffy going up against the master, but Dawn hadn't followed her. And right before the master is going to like attack her, Dawn jumps out. It's like, Buffy, be careful and gets distracted. And that's why Buffy gets bitten. And so <sighs> when they resuscitate her, instead of saying Xander, she says, 
Dawn. So oh. I love I love the idea that like Dawn is in these memories and like in the continuity of the show. And I wish they would have done like flashback episodes with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the the like animated series that they ended up not doing. That's what that could have been, and I think that would have been really cool. Well, and who said the, the quote that like basically this animated show is the false memories that the monks implanted in everyone? And like, I sign, just sign want I just want side adventures where Dawn and Sid the dummy need to go on a road trip <laughs> oh <my> God, stop <laughs> in a Barbie it. dream car or whatever. <laughs> Chaos bleeds. I wish that really would have been a, oh God, an yeah. episode. <laughs> so. Um, uh, where the hell are we in the plot now, Ryan? <laughs> oh, Joyce uh, comes home. Joyce yeah. comes home, right. <laughs> Ryan? <laughs> well, so Joyce comes home and she's like, uh, well, what's going on? And Buffy's like, uh, let me get you some tea. Uh, you want to uh, leave or whatever? <laughs> I love that the moment she says that, Joyce is like, what have you been doing? And yeah. then Angel walks in. <laughs> it, you can also tell that Buffy's one of those kids that like does not get the presumption of innocence from their parents yeah. anymore. Because um, I, you, I, I think that um, the Kristen Sutherland does a great job of being impatient and suspicious with Buffy even before she's given a reason to be, um, which makes us impatient and suspicious with Buffy. Um, <laughs> but then, of course, Angel pops up and uh, and Buffy's great backstory for him is he's a student. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a student at a community college. Yeah. As if his, as if her mom would then be like, oh, well, yeah. you're good to go. Want to sleep in her bed with her? Like- <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go upstairs, kids. Have fun. Do you need anything? A drink? A condom? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would Joyce take- would be pro-sex. She would be pro-sex. Well, and I also love that we get like, it's like almost like a little beat where when she says he's a student, then she's like, at the community college, as if he looks like that much older than all the other adults in the cast. (laughs) (laughs) Like he definitely looks the same age as like Cordelia and Xander, if not like a little younger. Yeah. Um, so I like that I we do this often on the show when Joyce is like, okay, well, and she's like, I yes, mom, I'm I'm saying goodbye to him. I like that like Joyce is still like kind when she's being suspicious. She's just like, okay, well, time for bed. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I kept thinking like, wasn't she worried about her mom? But also I understand you're, you're, she wants to get it in. So you see angel shirtless, you have a one track mind. <laughs> also there is the belief that your parents can take care of themselves, even in a heightened scenario where you're like, right. my mom's fine. I'm, I'm, she's going to be fine. Um, it might not all be dick based. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When you're like a kid, you're like, oh yeah, they can handle this. Yeah. My mom's bleeding. No, she's not. No, she's fine. <laughs> God. Um, so then she pretends to walk him out. He sleeps upstairs, which a thousand years ago, when we first recorded for this episode, uh, J.E. Reich was our guest, and they said how they identify as a lesbian, and they said how they felt that Angel and Buffy felt very much like young lesbians in love here. <laughs> that Angel sleeps on the floor, Buffy sleeps on the bed, and they're still like flirting, but like in a very you know, Angel's on the floor and she's in the bed. They're not even like... Look, there's, there, listen, there's no reason Angel needs to be sleeping on the floor. That's entirely a sex thing on his end. And I think it's very <laughs> creepy that that's what he suggested. He's like, I'm your little puppy dog. And it's like, well, we already know this is going somewhere with Willow later. <laughs> <laughs> 
I forgot about that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Angel's got a whole puppy thing that he's into. And it he's just a, seems oh. a little weird to bring it up on the first time you're hanging out with this girl. <laughs> I mean, he is definitely a sub bottom. Like, I'm, totally. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I feel like most of Buffy's boyfriends are oh yeah you know she was pegging riley right like 100 like, percent. <laughs> riley was who it I was riley saw. it was riley's strap-on that she was using. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got into that relationship knowing that was gonna happen that actually was the name of her strap-on riley if she was in that <laughs> institute like she <laughs> or mr, mr. finn <laughs> yeah she keeps it right next to mr pointy <laughs> god please don't mix them up um <laughs> Ouch. So we get the next day at school. We get um Xander is so I was trying I was going back and forth and I'm trying to be a little fair here. I but it's hard to be fair when it comes to him. I, he's he's being really jealous, but at this point I'm like, okay, is it too much or is it just like he's a stupid 16-year-old boy, right? Is what I'm like. Yeah, this is this is when Xander's immaturity and like bad behavior is excusable by the like boys will be boys or like he he's learning or whatever. But the problem with Xander is that he doesn't learn, and right. this is just who he chooses to be. He he went through this experience and said, "Yeah, let me triple down on that in every relationship <laughs> I have going forward." <laughs> God, yeah, that's really like right. Of, yeah, go ahead. There's like a kind of grim uh, sense of entitlement, isn't there, to to Xander's behavior around Buffy? It's uh. You know, yeah, like it's he, almost as if a man who worked on the show felt very entitled to women. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I didn't say it was. It just oh he God, gives off yeah. such toxic energy this season, or particularly in this episode. And I get it, you have the love triangle with like the prime Scoobies. And I I don't want to fault him for for that because it's a trope that he's in love with Buffy, Buffy's in love with Angel, Willow's in love with him. But it's just the way it comes off is so like toxic and suffocating, especially when you have a character like Buffy, who's so strong and active and define all these stereotypes, you know? Yeah, well, it's what's interesting. And- Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. Go no, ahead, go man. right ahead. Sorry. I, I was just saying it's it's extremely uh, unlikable, you know? It's just uh, so, so gross. And, and like, he's the kind of guy, like, in theory, he's the nerd. You should be kind of rooting for him a little bit. Uh, and he's obviously going to be always second fiddle to someone like Angel. Uh, right. But it's just his attitude, which makes it, because obviously he's, he's obviously going to be in love with Buffy. Of course he would be, but it's how he goes about it, isn't it? It's just, it's just so He's so predatory. Grim. He just, he it reads is. more predator than the literal vampire who's sleeping in her bedroom. Like, <laughs> no, that, that's he's very like, fair. He's, he's like, before he even talks to her, he's coming up with things to say. Like, he's like, he's like trying to prime the pump and like organize a situation in which he's the only cool guy around, nice guy or whatever. And it's, it's so much grosser than just being like, this old guy she has chemistry with. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like so planned and like disgusting. Right. And I, I'm curious why, because you bring up a really great point, which is we're not sympathizing with Xander at all. It's quite the opposite. It's just creepy. And I, I was it the writer's intent that we, we, we sympathize with Xander because he can never measure up to Angel, yet he really loves Buffy? Was, was, was Xander and Buffy ever, and I don't know the answer to this, maybe Ian or Ryan, you do, was, was Xander ever really positioned as a love interest for Buffy, or was this always just going to be a subplot that would evaporate you know, in the coming I'm sequence. under the impression that it was entirely a subplot because they weren't sure whether they were going to make Xander or Willow come out as gay, yeah. Yeah. and they were trying to leave every option open at that point. 
Um, okay. So if he if he was, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Oh, if it's, he, okay. it's okay. If he was in the closet, that would make a really interesting dynamic for him here. I I think that it would have made a little bit more sense that his posturing was just posturing, right? It's mm-hmm. like yeah. he wanted so badly to be straight that then it would make a little bit more sense, but. And like you could maybe it would still be shitty, but you'd be able to a little bit more understand that Adnan's just as like his posturing is because he like is a shitty man and feels entitled to every woman in his life. Um, and uh, yeah, I always I did always think like how the show would have gone if Xander would have been gay, but like then what we what would we have gotten with Willow? We would have never gotten Tara, and like yeah, uh, we would have had a lot. Larry would have got shot in the chest, which is not <laughs> something I was hoping to see. I, I, I also think it's a matter of at the time culturally, we gave guys like Xander the benefit of the doubt, and we all tried to identify and see the world from their perspective because that was the guy who ended up being Batman or Spider Man or whoever. Right, like right. that oh, was yeah, the trope they're upending, but they never give Xander a journey where he discovers that he's being some type of guy that everyone gets mad at because (laughs) in the time at the time, like he was the guy, he was like the archetype that was like the American guy. And I think we were supposed to see it as like, he's making mistakes and he has flaws, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have worth and all this stuff. And it's like, no, I think we were wildly overestimating his (laughs) worth and in fact, (laughs) undercounting the flaws, but I don't think they were aware they were doing that. Like to them, Xander was endearing because he was, uh, Nicholas Brandon and he was like a smiley happy friend but you know you take a step back and I don't know like he's been he's the person who lies the most and the most frequently like emotionally to Buffy from the beginning where he's like I'm your friend I want to hang out with you I tell me things in confidence we're platonically here but that's all a lie and we are in on it and Willow's in on it and we just watch him lie to her a lot and it sets their relationship up for this weird dynamic that they can't undo because even the writers don't, I don't think realize the level of like mistrust that they've laid the foundation of this friendship on, you know? And like, it makes it it creepy when he hangs out with Dawn. It would be different if all of them were kind of like shitty to each other. Like then it'd be like, Oh, okay. But Buffy's like a very good friend to all of them all the time. (laughs) Yeah. She's a really good friend to him. And, and Willow's a really good friend to him. And Willow's a really good friend to Buffy. You know what I mean? Like everybody's pretty, pretty good to each other that it makes it look so much more toxic. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's always sunny in Philadelphia where like everyone's an asshole. (laughs) And in the comic books, he ends up with Dawn. I know. I don't love that. I know. Not into it. Don't love it. like, what if Buffy didn't have any power that I didn't have (laughs) and was younger than me and impressed by me? Then it would all work out, wouldn't it? (laughs) God. All right. So moving on past. (laughs) Sorry. 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 (laughs) Um, So Giles kind of like knows who the three are. I do like the little bit of Willow being like, how do you always know everything? And he's like, you weren't up till 2 a.m. doing research. <laughs> um, I do. I, I I really like early season Giles of like just constantly exhausted. <laughs> yeah. It like, was more realistic to be like, this poor man has to do all this research. He's being paid like a school librarian's <laughs> salary <laughs> in a foreign country. Like he would be exhausted and yeah. like his love life would be random people we only see once. <laughs> but he is getting that the council money. Like because we yeah, know in season yeah, yeah. five, That's true, yeah. he's getting paid retroactively <laughs> from the time That's he was so he's he's getting some side money there. Well, he Although doesn't have an apartment much. in Melrose Place. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Marsha Cross is right next door to him. <laughs> She's like, it's not as bad as it looks, it's worse. And like, blow that place up. 
taking off her wig. <laughs> Stop it. That traumatized me. It's a conversation uh, for another day. But in the so, Buffy universe, when Marsha Cross takes off her wig, Terry Hatcher's face is in the back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we get, uh, he tells he he tells them that the three having failed will offer up their lives. We see them offer up their lives. I The master, it, there's something to be said for like Mark Metcalf really gives it his all with the master because he's like okay. such a camp queen and like he gives this long speech to this demon child where he's like, <laughs> you know, taking people's lives. That's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm weary and we, you know, not human lives, but demon lives are important. And then it's like, Darla, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> like he gives this whole speech about not killing them and then has her kill him, kill all three of them. And I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah, I think he was trying to prime. He was trying to like give him a primer on why it's so fun to kill other demons because it means so much. <laughs> <laughs> means more than like a stupid human death <laughs> yeah I, I love the makeup for the master i think it's to die for like even like the very bold and dramatic lighting um what, what, what were their names todd mike mikintosh mikintosh and john bolick who are like the um the the makeup people for or who were the ma- makeup people for buffy i mean they killed it it's serving me oh, it's like incredible max shrek as count orlock like this very 20s silent film like he he does such a great job. Like I, I don't realize how much I I I've missed the master until I saw this episode. Like his his absence is definitely felt later seasons. Yeah, it's, it's so great to take like Freddy Krueger and Jafar and like <laughs> match them up in this like sleek sort of like Disney simpering homosexual <laughs> from vampire from the future and the past. Like it's an amazing. It oh really God. does set the tone for the Buffy Big Bads. And I think that I really think the Big Bads, and similarly, I feel this way about the X-Men or like Spider-Man or Batman, is that they're such iconic heroes because their their villains are mean so much and there's so much of the writer's effort and worldview was put into the villains to make mm-hmm. them like something that is worth standing against. Yeah. Um, and the master really sets the tone for the rest of the season. And this is one of the episodes in which like he... he as much as the three is not impressive, he he does seem like a big deal. And yeah. looking back on it, it would be easy to be like, oh, it was one vampire in a cave, like not that big of a deal. <laughs> but they do make it feel like he, he's got a real stranglehold on the town or whatever, and Buffy should be worried. Well, I, I didn't even think about his sexuality until now that you mentioned it. He is very campy, and he does come across as very LGBTQIA+. Um I'm wondering who he would hook up with, Angel or Luke? <laughs> Definitely Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Luke. Luke was, it was, Luke. was Angel was a twink that stays at his Fire Island share in the summer, <laughs> and he knows him really well. Darla's like his good Judy, <laughs> and Luke is like that piece of ass. You know? <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Well, so I, I, I wanted to say like I, I do agree with you, Daisy. The makeup like still kind of holds up, right? Oh, it does. Like, 100%. I think it does. Yeah, it definitely does. And, I and remember, it gives the, the vampire look somewhere to go, you know? Yeah. I remember on Charmed and Supernatural, once they started having, like, budgeting problems, they would cut back on, like, the VFX and, like, the makeup for, like, the Monsters of the Week. And that is such... I'm so glad that never really happened with Buffy. Yeah. Like, Buffy always prioritized the look of the villains or the Monsters of the Week, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even like sometimes in some episodes, like 
I think a lot about the season six episode when they're trapped in the house and there's like that monster that's trapped with them that's like not part of that plot but gets trapped there too. And he really does look like they were like, what do we have laying in storage? Put it all together, make a monster. And like, but they still put the effort there and I think it still worked. Um, The makeup was good. I mean, sometimes, you know, the transitions from like regular human to vamp makeup didn't always hold up, but oh, no. the like Listen, makeup. You, you, you run special effects right. on a Super Nintendo and make it look better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we cut back to Buffy's getting back to her house. She's brought angel food. And I was thinking like, if we're not keeping Joyce in the house, why did Angel have to stay in the house all day? Like, she doesn't know he's a vampire, so why yeah, wouldn't she just no be like... Yeah, there's no reason he needed to be there. Right? It's actually weirder if he does hang out in her bedroom all day with nothing to do. Like, that's so strange. Although, I would have killed to have seen the scene where Joyce comes in to, like, read Buffy's diary, yeah. and Angel <laughs> just, like, tiptoeing to the closet. <laughs> like, missed opportunity there. I also like the idea that Joyce was checking her air conditioning bill later in the month, and she was like, why was the air on for two days? <laughs> Oh my god, Joyce totally would because she's getting audited by the IRS. <laughs> so she's crossing every T and dotting every I. Also, knowing what we know about Angel uh, being a vampire, you know, the fact that he's hiding out in a room for no reason at all. Like, as in, he could easily go out, take care of them, come back in, and he's still just right. hiding there. It's it's a little more sinister with that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, why didn't Buffy question it? I mean, I guess for like the audience, this is another hint that Angel is a vampire because he couldn't leave. But why wasn't Buffy like, uh, dude, why did you stay in my room all day? That's fucking weird. <laughs> I guess she was just like a teen girl who is yeah. excited about having trapped a boy in her room. <laughs> no, and uh, look, and I love that. And I and I and I had that as my note. And because one of the things what that I was thinking is like during the training session, why isn't she like really anxious to go back home? Because she has Angel there. Presumably she's letting him stay there because he's injured and he can't walk, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I really would have liked to have seen her be a teen girl and just be like, oh, I have Angel at my house. I have to go back. Bye, Giles. Yeah, or even just trying to leave during lunch or something. Like, why would you? Yeah. I don't know. Well, when sick. she comes back, though, yeah, why not? Like, can she get a sick day for school? But when she comes back, it's so dark. And I was just curious about that because for me, it read like she got home at like 730 Eight. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, doesn't school wrap up around like two p.m.? Yeah, like, like why wouldn't she have gone run? Even if she had to train and go to the library, she should be home by four. She's like doing cheerleading. She stopped by like the <laughs> school election. She <laughs> swung by Willa's house to help him pot some plants. Like she's kind of full of social schedule. Guess, that is true, though. She did do the training, so one would think that's after school. Um, which I do love the in the training session how Giles. We get this a lot, especially in the first season, where he underestimates her. And he's like, well, no, not the crossbow yet. And he's like, we're going to do the like combat. And she like wipes the floor with him like immediately. And he's like, all right, now we'll do the crossbow. Um, <laughs> I like, I guess one could say that then they trained a lot more because Buffy does mm. come, become pretty proficient with a crossbow by the end of the season. Um, but yeah, so we get that. And I like that she, this feels very like teenager, although this still feels like 39 year old Ian right now, when she's like, did you read my diary? That wasn't about you. A could have mean I meant anyone. It was Ahmed. There's a foreign exchange student at school. It's not about you. And I, I didn't say I wanted to have a fantasy with you. And like, he's like, I didn't read your journal. She's like, okay. Well, Buffy having her little outburst with Angel is something that's a reoccurring like motif with them. Because obviously, again, we get that later on where she's here. Like, let's rewind Buffy's little like outburst or whatever she said yeah so i like that she gets so nervous around angel it's it's really cute it is right um 
I find it very endearing because Buffy, for the most part, is pretty confident. And I like seeing her like scramble a little bit with Angel. And he's just, you know, he's charmed by it, which I do like. Um, and I have also dated some men who are on the quieter side. And I noticed that then I have the word vomit where I'm nonstop talking, you know, which is so different than how I am normally. But um, <laughs> so then they they're talking and he's like, you know, oh, I got to this can't work. And she's like, I know. And as she's talking, he's like, because I really want to kiss you. Um, so they kiss. Um, and it's wild that we wait this long to find out Angel is a vampire, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I have to think that even at the time, people were like, something, something ain't right with right. that Angel guy. <laughs> I thought, I don't know. I thought that it, I knew Buffy didn't know it, but I thought that we had maybe been told at some other point, but we weren't. This was truly the first reveal for the audience. Um, which is surprising. I don't know. The whole thing is surprising because they're, 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 they're so clearly star-crossed lovers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Something has to stand between them. And, you know, it may be obvious, you know, if you're watching the show now, now like that yeah. you would turn out. But, like, in 1997, you did not – you didn't have the gift of rewatching watching an episode scene by scene. Like, it came on the air, and hopefully you recorded it on your VHS. But yeah. if you didn't, it was gone, and you wouldn't see that episode again until, like, summer repeats. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I can understand, like, why I was so shocked in 1997, because I think it's so obvious now when you, you see the series, you're like, here he is, Dark Alley, you know, star-crossed lovers, exactly what you were saying, Ryan. But um, I, it's like the way television was done back then, like, you could actually genuinely surprise people sometimes. It's also like the, the concept of a good vampire, though. I, I don't know how much I would have known, you know, going into that, that that, that was almost a possibility. So and, and obviously, there's so many things that they do to make you think that he's a good, you know, he's called Angel. He's, uh, right. you know, he obviously looks just so perfect. And um, he just looks like the hero in so many ways. And the fact that he's, he's presented uh, with dozens of opportunities to, like, attack her neck and doesn't. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that, yeah, I could definitely see it as being like, I, I don't actually remember how surprised I was on the first go, but I can definitely see that, you know, even rewatching it. Yeah, I feel like Good Vampires is a norm now, thanks to Twilight, but this is pre-Edward days, and, you know... You mean you, thanks to Buffy, but then... I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, yeah, well, thanks to Buffy, but, like, I think it's a little bit more mainstream now because of what Twilight did for that, like, YA genre. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean... But like Edward was literally like inspired by Angel, right down to like the beautiful hair, like the mysterious, like, you know, demeanor. And I just like, again, this was just groundbreaking. It was groundbreaking to have a, 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 a vampire that was good. I mean, okay. Ryan and I, I think we both said this at the live, the live show for the 25th anniversary. Buffy the Vampire Slayer didn't invent pop culture, but it didn't not invent pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's what I always think of with this show. Cause it really did set the groundwork for so much. Um, you know, I even think something like True Blood, we, you know, they, what is it? The first episode that they make a Buffy joke when the one guy's like, I wish Buffy would come to town. Like yeah. that show wouldn't have existed without Buffy. I don't think. Um, but yeah, so, I love the Sookie Stackhouse Southern Vampire Mystery Series, by the way. I read all those books. <laughs> I love that you you and my mother both. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have like a book club date with your mom now. <laughs> um, so she see, he turns into a vampire, which I love that like he vamps out because a, like it's like he's so proved that like a kiss is a moment of happiness. And like mm. he vamps out for a second and loses control because like just like kissing this 
I think that might just be how he feels about Buffy. Darla was like, it doesn't just take a kiss. I had to fucking do a whole thing to get you. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> He's like, I'm usually upside down covered in hot sauce at this point. <laughs> but so he jumps out the window. We get that scream, um, which is the same. I'm positive. I tried to look, but I couldn't find anywhere. I'm positive that it's like a canned, like, Willem scream. Yeah, I don't and- think that's Sarah Michelle Gellar. And that they use that same scream for when Joyce screams inside the house and Angel's outside later. Oh, really? It's the exact same. Huh. But I couldn't find it anywhere, so I could be wrong. Um, Whatever, he jumps out, Buffy comes, or Joyce comes in to ask what's wrong. She says she saw a shadow. Cut to the next day. She's telling everyone about it. Um, Xander's annoyingly like, well, you gotta kill him. Well, look what I said. You gotta kill him. Like, I was right. Um, Vampires are bad, and you kill vampires, so you have to kill him. An argument he will go on to make 100 times. (laughs) In nearly every episode of the series. Um, So then we cut to Angel's apartment, and I do really like this scene um, with Darla. Right? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, obviously it's such a... It sets up so much, as you kind of said, with uh, their relationship, and obviously when she comes back in Angel... um, Which I had completely forgotten that she actually dies in this episode. That's not something that I had. And then so I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, they fully kill her. And I don't now remember how she comes back in Angel, but she becomes such a big part of it. Um, So, yeah, no, I'm I'm very into it. Very into it. Yeah. And I like so I like that she kind of reads him when he's like. Oh, this is a new look for you. Last time you were into kimonos. And she's like, last time it wasn't teenage girls. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She read him to feel like Darla has some of the best scenes in this episode. Like her like shade exchange with Buffy later on. It's just perfect. But one thing I noticed is that Angel and Darla talk about Budapest together. And that's obviously something that would play out in Avengers with Hawkeye and Black Widow at Budapest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a nice little Easter egg for that. I, and like, so the other thing I liked was I was like, oh, I wonder, I was like, I know that we see the Boxer Rebellion, but I wasn't sure. And I looked it up and literally that is like, Yes, it the is. The last time he sees her, and it is like, <laughs> so it's like, I liked it, like, you know, because Buffy did a good job of this, but wasn't always 100%. Like, her birthday is different in season one than it is later on, listed on one of the computers. But, like, yeah. the show was pretty good about stuff like this, where, like, Angel says that, and then, you know, what, like, three seasons later, we see that last time, and it is that. And I, I, I like that. She- is she in a kimono? I know the scene you're talking about, like he comes up behind her and like grabs her cheeks and like Spike and Drusilla are outside. She's Is not she really, wearing- no, but like no. they were like, she was wearing them when they were there. And I yeah. think it's like later on, cause I don't think that's their last scene. I think later on they break up within uh, like that time, time span, like sometime while they're there. Um, but I think there might be a different scene in angel. Okay. Because yeah. remember, like, Fool for Love, and then I forget the name of the. I think the. Is the Angel episode Darla? It might not be. But, like, they're like two halves of the same thing where, like, we. Like, the Masters and the Angel episode. They were but clearly blocked shot. Yeah. 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 Um, but I just like shit like that. Like, setting up stuff that does pay off and setting up. It's not. You know, I always say the episode Killed by Death is one of my least favorite because it's one of the few Buffy episodes that 
inserts this like traumatic event in Buffy's life where like she watched her cousin die and it was like an invisible monster killing the cousin. And we talked about how traumatic that is and then never talk about it ever again. And it never is brought up. And I hate that shit. And a lot of shows, especially back then would do that. Right. Introduce this major plot point just for one episode and then never talk about it. Buffy was better about that where like we would introduce it and it would be there. It wouldn't just go away. Yeah. Right. What was her cousin's name again? Celia? Oh, that I don't remember. I hate that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Good riddance, Celia. Um, So then we we cut back to, uh, like, we we get more of, what is it? Oh, so so, I don't know, but we get the Angel apartment scene. And then after that, we cut back to, we get them talking about Angel again. And Willow's, Willow's very cute. The season one Willow is so precious to me, and she's very like, maybe he's a good vampire. Is that possible? And Giles is like, that's not possible. Um, and she's like <laughs> staying optimistic. Um, because she's a like like you said, Ryan, she is a good like Willow and Buffy are good friends to each other. Yeah. <laughs> They're like very supportive. Has to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but like Allison Hannigan and Sarah Michelle Geller have beautiful chemistry. Like I, I oh buy God. them as being best friends. Like the opening scene when they were talking about like having a guy, not having a guy, yeah. the conversation, the way they play that off was perfect. Yeah. It's and- crazy because it's like not since Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker have two people <laughs> who like apparently like just according to reports, I'm not saying that it continues to be the case or that it was true, didn't like vibe. But yeah. on camera, it's just vibes. It's like yeah. a laser gun of vibes <laughs> coming at you. They yeah. read so well and they test so well as friends. Yeah. 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 Because like I think it was in season seven, they like really weren't friends at all like they weren't yeah. speaking and yet they still like do great work together which is a credit to both of their acting abilities i mean it upsets me on a personal level because i want them to be best friends <laughs> but yeah and like so we get then we get um they're studying together darla's spying on them um she goes to buffy's house joyce lets her in joyce is immediately like you want to eat something let's let's have a snack <laughs> Darla vamps out and Angel is outside the house kind of, I guess, watching. Yeah. Runs in. Um, I Ryan, well, uh, explain this. I'm a little, I'm a little like, are we supposed to, we think we're supposed to assume that when she throws Joyce at him, he gets a little like, ooh, I could? Or is he just like being weird? I'm, I think that <laughs> we're supposed to think that he has a moment where he's like, it smells like Buffy and and, and I haven't eaten in so long. Okay. And, you know <laughs> what I mean? And he has this moment of like, but he doesn't do anything. But I think emotionally we're supposed to blame him and it's okay that Buffy's mad at him because he does consider it. And that's like enough for us to be like, well, you deserve to be spanked or whatever. And not in the good way this time, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> thrown out a window. So like he does get, um, <laughs> Which I love that Buffy throws him out the fucking window, and we we don't really like how much that house gets destroyed. I was going to say spot. the first time of many that Joyce would call a contractor and say, "What do you want?" <laughs> like they don't reference a window again. Like Buffy is in the hospital with Joyce, and Joyce is like, "Oh, I just slipped." Blah blah blah. And like no one's like, "But what happened with the window?" Like, <laughs> yeah. were you attacked? You know, would have been the more logical thing. Like somebody came through the window. It's just never referenced again. I also don't know how jo- what happens to Joyce, right? So. Buffy goes for Angel. Joyce just drops on the floor <laughs> and Buffy <laughs> knocks Angel out the window. Like, you know, I would have thought you maybe save Joyce first and then deal with Angel. I don't know. <laughs> no, you throw him out the window, leave your mom on the floor bleeding. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
But two things about that that I noted. One, the way Joyce talks to Darla. She's here like, oh, I've had a hard day at the IRS, with the IRS. Like, who talks like that to presumably a teenager? Like, what parent would say that to a teenager coming in? Is it because, like, she doesn't buy that Darla is actually 16? Like, <laughs> it's also just, like, incredibly trusting to be like, oh, I'm going to let this random teenager in my house. But it's also incredibly trusting of their parents not to be like, why was my teenager alone in your house with you? <laughs> <laughs> it was like something big or something small. It's like, what are you? Are, are you making a lasagna for this teen girl you've never met? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just give her a snack while it's cookie. It's nineteen ninety seven. Like, um, and then the scream that was not Christine Sutherland. Oh, absolutely <laughs> like not. I'm positive it was the same scream from earlier. Um, because I I remember I. Like, I don't think Sam Geller ever actually screams. I feel like all of them are like, when it's a big scream, I feel like all of them are like something, like a, someone else. She does else in, in, like, um, in Hush. <laughs> God, that was the worst one. <laughs> that was the worst scream ever, by the way. I love Hush, but like, I can just visualize that, her screaming there. Oh my God. It's like very clearly not coming from that You need body. a trigger warning when we're talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar screaming in Hush, please. Um, I have nightmares all day about that. So we get, uh, Joyce is very enamored. I like that she's like, are you the doctor? Oh, the librarian. What's he doing here? Because like, what the fuck is he doing there? Yeah. Um. I guess they were worried, right, that she would be turned was the concern or yeah. just that's his slayer. So he's concerned about her mom. I think a little yeah. of both. I think there's yeah. a lot of confusion happening. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's still early on in the shows like Genesis here. I would be like, why wouldn't he like kind of test her if he thought that? I think they were just showing up because it's what you said, Ryan. It's his slayer's mom. I mean, how much can you convey on a beeper? Right. Yeah. Also true. You didn't have texting. You know, um, you're like Joyce Hospital nine one one. That's all you get. <laughs> oh my god! I forgot beeper codes. Like, what is a beeper code for? Like, come, my mom is in the hospital. <laughs> god. Um. So then we get Joyce does mention that that other friend Darla was there, um, and that's when Giles realizes what's going on. Even though Buffy had left to go, like basically kill angel right Mm -hmm. um and i kept thinking and i said this in our moon night recording last week i was like why isn't everyone just talking about what's going on why isn't angel just telling her darla did it because she probably would believe him um i don't know it felt like let's just let's have a nice convo here why are we angels being like kind of annoying and purposely feels like he just wants her to kill him right maybe he does I agree. I that was in my notes here. Like when Angel's like w- when Angel eventually says I didn't do it. Why doesn't Buffy be like who did? You know, like there's yeah. some kind of like miscommunication that's not happening there. And like Angel does not deny attacking Joyce when she says it. So you're like, well, I killed everyone. I killed my entire family. I brought black death to everyone I I, I met. And I was like, okay, that's a beautiful line. But also just be like, it was Darla. Like, why are you taking credit for that? <laughs> Doesn't he kind of say, though, it's almost like he wants to uh, have the confrontation and and one of them kill the other one because he doesn't want to pursue whatever romance he knows is on the horizon. Uh, That seems to be what he's getting at at some point. But I agree. It is kind of it's one of those classic TV things, isn't it, where it's like a very simple conversation would solve this whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) 
But I love the line that he says about the girl he killed that eventually he gets cursed when he was here. Like, she she was dumb as a post. I couldn't believe... Now I can never look at those flashback episodes when they kill her and not be like, yeah, that girl was dumb as a post. Like, just like... Because that for me, I never... I don't remember him ever saying that line. And yeah. obviously that is such a pivotal moment when he kills her and, you know, sets him on the course of where he needs to go. But that his interpretation of it, like, centuries later was like yeah she was a dumb girl like, you know, like i was like oh my god that's savage <laughs> savage angel Twinkie angel is savage so he, yeah so i yeah you're right i wanted to bring that up too i forgot he does explain the curse right yeah like yeah, he, he explains it here and he explains it in a way that they don't ever need to retcon it right it's very digestible the way he talks about it. And like, like when the vampire, that's a demon, your soul gets away, but that's the part that stays. If you're in his case, that's he's, he's cursed. It's just, it, it was very matter of fact and very easy to understand as a, I was like 12 when I saw this. Right. Did they use the, the, the G slur for the first time here for the Romani? I think they use, yeah. Cause then they use it. Moving yeah, forward. then they use it a yeah. lot. I mean, that's the only part of it that really, like, I think ages poorly. But in general, like, they, a lot of the angel and Darla and vampire, really, that whole vampire line from the master, that lore is pretty intact, which is, like, remarkable. And right. it's funny because, like, they end up, you know, spoiler alert, Darla gets dusted. And people eventually, I think, come to the opinion later that, like, why did they do that? That could have been the Darla-Buffy-Angel love triangle could have been so good. And, like... I, it's because I, I I actually think it's smarter because they give you all this stuff that you think should be throwaway and like it's in your mind as some like vague oh during history like when I watched it for the first time I was like all right so it's some at the Boxer right. Rebellion let's say but like I didn't have a ton of reference for what that meant or where that would have happened yeah. or like and later on when they actually build on that and it pays off it's so much more rewarding and it helps make Buffy what it is which is like a show that stays with you and like. It make like you were saying earlier, Ian. Like it doesn't just introduce things and throw them away. Like the, when things are introduced, they're part of the world. It makes everything important. And um, so I when we eventually do this like love triangle on Angel, it's like with someone that isn't even there. You know, like it's yeah. between Angel and Darla and this Buffy that's completely absent from their lives, which makes it so much more interesting and like makes the payoff so much more fun. Um. But I like that this episode, it, it, it foreshadows all of that even before I think the writers knew they were going to do it. And you get the love triangle of Angel, Xander, and Buffy on the side, like, mirroring it. Like, this, like, human version of it that's, like, way less intense with a lot less murder. Um, <laughs> but it's just as unhealthy or whatever. I don't know. Right. I, all, all of that lore and that world building to me, it, it's what makes this episode such a standout from the first season. But uh, I don't even think the writers knew at the time that they were doing such a great episode because they didn't know they would have, you know, right. 12 seasons of various shows through <laughs> which to convey all of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also love that they were sitting on this reveal for so long, you know, of Angel. And, and yes. it's such a pivotal thing. It's so important. But they waited seven episodes, you know, and that's like almost yeah. kind of risky to to wait that long because it it makes the show so much more interesting when you have that built into it. Uh, yeah. And I think that's yeah. amazing. And then having that exposition, it's such, such an important bit of information and the concept in itself, like obviously having known it for so many years now of, you know, he had got his soul back basically that's, and the curse with it, that that's obviously something we know really well now, but back then it's like, I, I, 
it's kind of hard to wrap your head around, but the, the, the fact that they were able to pull that off so succinctly, yeah, I think we kind of touched upon already, but that's just so impressive, you know? Yeah, it, it really is. And like, it's even wild, like, you know, I've watched the show a zillion times, but it's wild to think that there was ever a moment in the timeline of the show that we didn't know Angel was a vampire, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah. just like wild. Just that's such a big part of the show that Angel is a vampire. Buffy dates vampire. Like, it's just, yeah, because I, I think I, I'm, yeah, no, I know that I went into the show knowing he was a vampire. Like, I wasn't, so I don't know what it's like to not know that. It's just wild. So a modern had, streaming show would have put that cliffhanger at the end of the first episode and yes, we think like definitely. nowadays we have such storytelling luxury that we can p- let things play out but honestly you don't to know that your show is going to run for at least enough time that you can do a reveal <laughs> at the end of what the first season that is the premise is amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's wild and this would have been its mid-season yeah right because yeah. it's episode seven so it would have been their mid-season like turning point gearing up for the finale yeah, no, yeah. In the pacing there. And I mean, I feel I do feel like Buffy had done that a lot, right? Where it was like, it, we have the main big bad, but then like there's a certain point in the plot where it's like, oh, now we're going forward. Like we're going to be very much into the big bad's plot and like get the plot going. And yeah, I think this was like kicking that up. You know, like how in season two, once Angel turns into Angelus, that kind of like, that we then we're we're in that plot for the rest of the season, um, and yeah, I, I I like that we we end up at the bronze here, and we end up with I forget he tells her about the curse. He kind of discuss what's happening, what happened, and then Darla enters. And I gotta say, I fucking love that Darla. the The first lesson, she's like, you know what the saddest thing in the world is, and Buffy says that hair on top of that outfit, like <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> Well, because Buffy is so confident and so quick-witted, you know what I mean? Like, she's equally as powerful with the English language as she is with stakes and crossbows. Yeah. And I think that's what makes her such a fun character. It, it's also fun that, like, Darla comes from this world where women are repressed and had no power. And, like, she got to live the turnaround of that in real time, not just, like, for herself, but on a larger societal level. She became a serial killer. <laughs> And women got the right to vote and dress how they want. Whereas Buffy is this person that has existed for just this short amount of time in history from Darla's perspective. And like Buffy is, Darla is this creature out of time and Buffy is like emblematic of a very new thing. Yeah. And it's right. so interesting to watch the two of them face off. And it makes it even more interesting that Darla has two guns and is like, fuck it. And Buffy <laughs> is like, no, I've got a crossbow or whatever. Two guns <laughs> like, and no aim whatsoever. Like, it's literally the worst shot of got all time. Two guns, two huge boobs, and no aim. And honestly, <laughs> I'm iconic. <laughs> you know, like, like Darla. Queen. <laughs> Darla, though, when she... When she was sired, what, what was it like, seventeenth century, something like that? Like she was working as a sex worker, yeah, and she was yeah. dying, and she says, "Let the devil take me." Like I don't want God. I'm, I'm forgetting the exact quote, but Darla has always been like a wallflower, and I love what you're saying about that because later on we would discover that about her, and it makes this scene between her and Buffy so powerful because they represent two very different wallflowers for a specific era especially when thinking about women and women's roles yeah you could machete cut this and like put the darla scenes in their own little movie that like tells you her story and it would all work and that's like 
and they didn't know that that was true when they were making it. They just made it so well that it does. That's so awesome. I love. This I want show. a fan edit of someone out there putting all the Darla scenes together, making a movie out of it. Like making Julie Darla's story. <laughs> yes, Julie Benz deserves it. Like we. Just I mean, hell yeah, she does. Her. She, I was gonna say, she also is like a fucking great actor, and I think that's why oh, Darla works so, so well, right? Like, Darla could have been a throwaway character that we didn't see again if Julie Benz hadn't been so fucking great, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. very true. Very um, true. I also love that she has she's got baby voice, but she's so sinister. Yes. It's it's great. It's a yes, great line it's very it's very bride of Chucky. I love it, Jennifer <laughs> Tilly. Oh yes, you're right, Ryan. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that in comparison, but it really is because it's like. That voice would go with like a sweet, like cute person, but actually this person's a murderer, just like Jennifer Tilly and Brian Chucky. That's why I <laughs> yeah. used Alaska Thunderfuck and um, the Cardigans Love Fool when we did the live show for my Darla <laughs> drag. Because I was like, both mm-hmm. of these artists have unhinged baby voices. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, just so everyone knows, Ryan did fucking killer Darla drag for her live show of her <laughs> and her schoolgirl outfit with the vamp makeup. It was fantastic. There was a lot of blood. Stop. I'm going to be stalking you now on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, was it after that, it was that show, right? Where you posted, you like left to get changed. You posted oh, the yeah. picture of your drag all like messy and bloody and your mom thought like something happened. Yeah, my whole extended family called my mom and they were like, Ryan's being beaten or something. <laughs> and it was like me with one contact out and fake blood all over me or whatever. <laughs> they took it really personally. Um, so we get we get this fight and I do like the fight, even though it's, it's kind of anticlimactic for Buffy fights because it's just Darla shooting at her. You know, she she uses the bow and arrow and she does miss. She gets like her stomach. Darla's not pressed. Um, Willow, Giles and Xander show up. And I love Willow, like immediately shouting. It was Darla, not Angel trying to help. Um, <laughs> and we get Angel like we get like as she's shooting and the lights are blinking. Angel comes up and stakes her. And I even have in my notes, Ben. And in her baby whisper, she just says, Angel, before getting dusted. And I love it. It's so good. Because, like, her delivery of that is, like, that feels pure, right? She is genuinely shocked that Angel would be the one to kill her. And, and yeah, when like, you know, when you've seen then the Angel kind of romance play out, you get their backstory a lot more in depth. It is kind of, you know, touching in a way, yeah. weirdly. <laughs> yeah, it's like you get why she was so, so shocked that he killed her because... Even though she was evil, I do believe in her evil way she did love him, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Sure. Well, we yeah. know that vampires are capable. Is it Drusillo who says it? That they can love quite ferociously. Yeah. Yeah. So we know they're capable of like really great deaths of love. Right. And like, I, yeah. And I, I even like the way that scene is shot because he stakes her. She does her baby whisper of angel. And then we pan up to the ceiling and see her fall. And the, the way they would get dusted in season one was just kind of like almost like they turned into fairy dust but i like the way it looked i thought it looked cool um yeah we don't yeah. get to see her be like a skinny legend skeleton as she just <laughs> <laughs> yes um so then we we kind of cut to the master freaking out the anointed one gives him a pep talk um and then we cut back to the bronze for like the post-humigation party xander's talking about not being jealous whatever and this <laughs> buffy angel scene i will say it worked on me. I I loved their discussion here where she's like, I know, not, like he says nothing can ever happen. And she says she knows. And she's like, I mean, you're like 224 years older than me. And I love that like 
This episode explicitly says for most of the episode why they shouldn't be dating, why they can't date, and yet. And like, I love that shit. I mean, Ryan, you mentioned it's it's setting them up as star-crossed lovers, right? We know that they can never actually be together. And even in season two, when they are together, we learn even more why they can't. I mean, Um, Willow says at one point, what would even happen to the children? (laughs) (laughs) And like, their chemistry here is so good. I I will admit I teared up a little bit because I just forgot. I love that they're being like, yeah, we know we can't date. No, this can never happen. And then they like are looking at each other and you just feel the like electricity there. And then they kiss and we get, you know, you, I was already mentioned, but we get the like her cross burned his chest a little bit. Um, it's just so good, right? I think it's a really good beat to end on. Amazing. Such a great, great scene. Um, all right. Well, now that we're at the end, uh, favorite scene, Ryan. My favorite scene is uh, when they're at the hospital and Joyce is just like, uh, what, Mr. Giles? What, uh, uh, uh. And I'm like, you're fucking horny as hell. Just say what it is. <laughs> you tell those teens to get out of the room. You got some stuff to sort out with Mr. Giles. <laughs> uh, ben? Um, this is kind of a really small one, but I just love uh, Buffy beating the shit out of Giles uh, when he's wearing his big silly outfit. He's got his big like kind of helmet thing on, um, and then they kind of have them throughout the series. I think there's a few different ones of those. So I, I just, I love it. I love seeing it. Uh, Dayspring. My favorite is when Cordelia goes after the girl, and she's here like, "This is what happens when you sign these free trade agreements." <laughs> <laughs> wait no that was amazing i was freaking out i like, like truly like lost my mind at that line i forgot that damn I, I know we forgot to bring that up because i do love i love the the framing of that scene of xander is it xander and he's like you know you're in love with a vampire and cordelia's like what she's really <laughs> looking at the dress that's beyond them it's so perfect and he's, he's i just love that cordelia's understanding of politics is entirely <laughs> through consumer goods and you know that that just came up that week in like social studies and she was like she was like is that why people can get access to disgusting knockoffs or whatever and she waited for the chance to bring it up it's she so was good dying for it. <laughs> so i think my favorite scene is the end of like their their chemistry there and them talking about like how why they can't be together and then them still kissing Love that shit. Mm. Um, favorite outfit, Dayspring? Hmm. I'm trying to think favorite outfit. I mean, it's going to be Darla with the guns and everything. I, I think it's iconic with the baby voice. It's just everything about the Darla character in this episode, like just stole a show for me. Okay. Favorite outfit, Ben? Uh, I, it's got to be Cordelia's one of a kind Todd album <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, that dress is beautiful. I mean, listen, and that's going like, online for like vintage. So good for her for being trailblazer. Uh, Ryan. Um, I like the anointed ones, little hoodie. I think it's cute. (laughs) And uh, listen, if, if you have to, if you have to trick prey into believing that you're a harmless little, little tyke that I think that that's probably an awkward shopping trip. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, my favorite is the same as day Springs. I love, the thing I love about Darla's red outfit at the end is that it's the exact same outfit she had been wearing for like the previous six episodes and during most of this episode, just in a different color. And like, I gotta say, I stand. Like, I love the idea of being like, no, the exact same one, just in red. No, exactly the same. White collar, plaid skirt, cardigan, <laughs> but like, make it red. 
and like, like give me some guns. She's on the phone with the same catalog <laughs> person that Cordelia was on the phone. No. With this guy's like, should these these women got a lot of very specific orders. <laughs> no, I like to think that she went to. I went to Catholic school growing up, so you actually had to go to a special like uniform store, and they had all the uniforms there in different colors. I like to think she killed like the uniform like <laughs> shop owner and like stole everything there. And she's, she's like, like, I need young. one for every school in double zero. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And she's like, yes, after 400 years, I still like a size zero. <laughs> like, I love that. And love like, you, I, I just, yeah, I love it. Um, What would, okay, now we bring back the question, what would Dawn be doing? Ben, what do you think Dawn would have been doing in this episode? Oh my God. So uh, Dawn, she's what about eight years old now? Would that, is, yeah, how nine, is that nine, Eight or nine, yeah. Eight or nine, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> Something homework, like that, yeah. Homework, hopefully, you know, like... <laughs> just getting in the way as i think someone said earlier you know just completely ruining the vibe between buffy and angel like no doubt that's just that's just oh yeah her, she's her cock vibe. blocking buffy oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, day spring yeah cock blocking buffy i think she would be in the hospital with joyce probably like on the bed or something you know struggled up with her mom I don't. I'm trying to think of where else I would have placed her. I think because of that, uh, in that unaired Buffy animated series, they they show the image of a little Dawn with Joyce. So I'm kind of associating Dawn with every Joyce scene, if I have to insert her. But I think she would be within the Scooby Gang, or she knows Buffy is a Slayer. So I think she would be in the loop on that. You know, that's what I was trying to figure. I was trying to decide if I thought she would be in the loop with the Scoobies or what. Um, Ryan, what, what do you think Dawn would be doing? I think Dawn is at a daycare playing out a Home Alone style <laughs> scenario where her teacher's a witch and she has to get her in the oven and cook her. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, she doesn't want her mom to know that she's being like, you know, quote unquote, disrespectful to the teacher. So this eight-year-old is in this like scenario and eventually she does end up cooking the witch. And then when Joyce picks her up, Joyce finds some innocuous reason why she's never coming back to that place anyway. And then Dawn <laughs> never knows if she imagined that misadventure or if it was real. And that's just one of hashtag Dawn's adventures that I'm going <laughs> to keep coming up with. <laughs> Wait, but Ryan, mm-hmm. I love your theory that like probably Pat is floating around there. Like oh, Dawn no, is with Pat, Pat right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> Pat is being Dawn's, is Dawn's version of the master and all of her little side <laughs> adventures are, are set up by Pat and at the end it's like Pat shaking her fist before the credits <laughs> okay that is the best line I ever heard that Pat is Dawn's version of the master like that is genius <laughs> Like, please write this. Like someone needs to write and illustrate this. Like this is like what happens with Maggie Simpson whenever the other Simpsons go away. Yes. That's my imagination. <laughs> so I I can't decide if I thought she, I I know Dawn would have been cock blocking. I can't decide if I think she would have known her sister was a vampire slayer or not. But I know that Buffy somehow Dawn would have known Angel was there, and Buffy would have had to bribe her to keep it a secret from Joyce. Like she would have had a mm. you know in a for the first episode kirsten white said that dawn's subplot would have been her tamagotchi dies and she's very upset about it (laughs) so i feel like maybe like buffy would have been like i will buy you three new ones if you don't tell mom that this hot guy is in my room in a double meat palace happy meal (laughs) (laughs) nine-year-old me i would have been like great toys and mcdonald's i am sold on keeping the secret although i probably would have been bad at keeping the secret but that's what i think would have happened uh what grade do we give the episode ryan I give this episode an A. I have no complaints. For a first season episode, crushed it. Dayspring? A plus. Ben? 
uh, a B plus, I think. B plus. Okay. I, it, it's it's great. It's top tier season one. But I think if I'm if I'm putting it on the grade against like you know later seasons, it's it's not it's not a full full A for me because I think it just gets better as it goes on. Uh, Buffy, uh, but you've That's- got so many iconic moments in there. You've got Angel. Um, you got Darla with the guns. It's 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 definitely a high a high grade still. I'm I'm definitely the same as you. I'm like a border of B plus A because it is a very good season one episode. But for me, it's I always think of it as a little slower and it really isn't that slow. But the plot, the pacing of the plot is weird for me. Like we get the mm-hmm. three and then we just we get them as this big menace and then we completely disregard them um, 15 minutes in. But yeah, I I, mm, I think maybe B plus. Um I the reason why I'm definitely going more A is I was looking on Wikipedia just now. Like David Greenwald wrote this episode and mm-hmm. he obviously would go on to co-create Angel. Yeah. And I think he just has such a good understanding of the Angel character and the lore he wanted to like sort of say yes. with him. And yeah. it's very and, and this has major this episode, what is introduced here, will go on as we discuss yeah. to be like central Buffy lore. Yeah. Uh yeah. well if you'd like more of this, come on over and listen to the Angel episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which I will, am going to be tuning in for that. Which will be hopefully starting to drop in June. Um, maybe sooner. Who knows? I don't know. Um, thank you, boys, for joining us. Thank you, Ryan, for your kind of first, maybe official co-hosting uh, If episode. it wasn't my first, it felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> um and if you like SlayerFest 98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can support us on Patreon. I just started a Discord server where all of our guests are invited to join, and anyone on the Patreon is. And uh, we have we are going to Harley Quinn Season 2 and What If over there. Um, and I'm still be I'll be doing some more episodes with my mom where I have her watch an episode of Buffy and we talk about it because she loved Buffy when it aired, but does not remember much. Um, and if you want to follow us on social, we are at SlayerFestX98 on all social media platforms. If you want to follow me, I am at Carlos. Ryan, where can everyone find you? You can find me at Ryan Houlihan on the world's most popular social networks, but you can also find my drag persona, Aria Woman, at AOL keyword woman on all social networks, and my RuPaul's Drag Race podcast at Academy of Drag on all social networks. And Dayspring, where can everyone find you and your podcast? We are on all podcast platforms, so check us out there, Power of X-Men. And I'm predominantly on Instagram. I tweet occasionally, but, you know, I'm inconsistent. But I'm on Instagram daily, hourly. And Ben, <laughs> where can everyone find you? I am on Twitter at um, Ben Appetit one That's me on Insta. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all for joining us. And this was our 25th anniversary of... Buffy season one episode Angel. Our next one will be on Prophecy Girl, which won't be for a little bit yet, as that one doesn't turn 25 till June. Happy Pride. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.